Hello, everyone, and welcome to Terrible Game Reviews. I'm Paige. I'm Joe. I'm Nate. I'm Kevin. And I'm Matt. This week, we played Shadows Over Camelot. Shadows Over Camelot is a cooperative game for three to seven players, and where all the players are the Knights of the Round Table, and they go on quests to have good influence over the realm of Camelot. However, the twist is that there may be a traitor amongst you. Yeah, so the gameplay is pretty simple. Um, everybody just does one bad action at the beginning of their turn. Um, there's a card that you can draw that does a random bad thing where you can take a life point or you can place a catapult in the field. And those all contribute to your overall losing condition. One of three conditions. And then after that, you can... Uh, do one of your good actions. You can either move from the castle, draw cards, do the action at whatever space you're on, and you can also spend life to take another action. Um, it's it's very simple gameplay, but uh, a lot of the strategies aren't really apparent at the beginning. Well, I, th- I think the, the thing that stands out for this game for me is that it was really the first cooperative game that I had ever played when I played this. And that made it really stand out because the players had to talk and discuss and figure out what the strategy would be. And a lot of, I think, what helps you win the game is understanding how to coordinate your moves as a team. Because if each player is coming up with their own plan and executing their own plan, I don't think it really works for this game. Like, I I think it is a game that kind of forces that teamwork on you, where you have to have the players working in concert. Yeah, I remember this being one of the uh, first games outside of kind of the realm of uh, normal or classic style board games I had played, and definitely the first cooperative game. I think I was there at the very first time we tried it, and I remember being shocked at how difficult it was and really intrigued by the idea that we just lost as a group to a board game. I hadn't experienced that before. but I, yeah, it, yeah, we were all sitting around, and not a single one of us won. Which yeah. is a new thing. And not only did we not win, but that, like Kevin said, that was the first time most of us had ever played a cooperative game, mine and myself included. And after we had spent all the time learning the game and then playing through it the first time, we sat there just dejected because we had all just lost. Although about five minutes later, we were like, all right, forget this. We are beating this stupid game. Yeah, now let's yeah. go again. I, I don't think I can remember a time when I was more excited to play a game again, like to oh, replay a game absolutely. than when we first played the game and were just destroyed by it. I think it's also important to point out that the game suggests that the first couple of times you play, you don't use a traitor at all. So we knew there wasn't even a traitor. There wasn't any one working against us. We were just trying to beat the game. Us, the band of all good knights, and we couldn't do it. And that that was a really interesting time. Yeah, so this game is known for popularizing cooperative games. A lot of cooperative games, like a few years ago, came out that mimicked its style. Most of them are just more just team based. Not too many of the games had a traitor element, but cooperative games nowadays are much more and extreme and random and difficult. And going back to Shadows Over Camelot, it's definitely a lot easier than it used to be, and it feels like it's lost a lot of its flair that it used to have back in the day. But yeah, I feel especially like after quote unquote solving the game. So it, the trader mechanic is very important for replayability, at least nowadays. Yeah, this was so much easier this time around than it was in the past. 
Um, I do want to touch on the fact that this is a co-op game and you can talk with people. Uh, the problem with that is if you're playing with people who aren't used to the strategy type game and you're very much used to strategy co-op types of games, it can become an issue for the person that's not used to it because they're basically just being robots. They're not doing anything. They're just doing whatever you tell them to do. So like, but if it's a whole group of people of, that are just starting it, it's awesome. And if you're that player that's been playing a lot of these kinds of games, you need to be aware of the fact that you're going to ruin this game for them if you're just telling them what to do. Uh, you know, on the point of having a mixed group, I, I, I do feel like it's very valuable to have a group that is about the same experience level with the game because all going into it brand new was really fun. And then also having that experience with everyone at the same uh, table, if you're all really experienced in it, works really well. However, I did try to introduce this game. I did it in a horrible way to a bunch of new people. So I had played it a bunch of times and then I wanted to play it uh, with a bunch of people who hadn't played it before. And it was just not fun for them or for me because I <laughs> like, I'd, like I'd played it before. So I knew, you know, what? No, you should really be focusing on this right now and you should be doing that. Like it was just me telling them what to do, which, you know, you could see how it wouldn't be fun for them. And it wasn't even fun for me. It was just terrible. And I don't think that it's impossible to play this with brand new people. But if you're an experienced person, I think you need to play dumb the first time. You need to say, like, I'm just going to sit back and kind of go with whatever plan you guys come up with. Similarly, no. uh, I would say that if you were teaching new players this game, if you had a group of players that had already been familiar with it and been familiar with the rules, it would be difficult to bring a new person in, either because they're not familiar with the nuances of the game, they're not familiar with what strategy they should use right away, or if, for instance, like I did, the first time they we played the traitor, I pulled the traitor, which has subsequently led to an inside joke that I am always the traitor. <laughs> he was tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I was tonight, and everybody got a big kick out of it. <laughs> but at the same time, if you, especially if you have questions about being the traitor, I remember, for instance, the first game we played, I asked some more in-depth rules about what the traitor did, and then everyone knew that mm -hmm. I was the traitor yeah. for that game. Yeah, that brings up what I had heard was criticism some people had leveled against it, which is both that some of the rules in that regard are a little bit almost intentionally vague. And mm -hmm. if you get a chance to see the game board and the pieces themselves, I think um, based on just the cost of the game, there's a pretty legitimate concern that it's been, quote, overproduced or there's just been too much effort put into creating it. And um, while that's certainly true that with like a normal deck of cards and a little bit of effort you could basically recreate this game on your own at the same time it also kind of opens the door if you're interested in it into like pulling in more of your own like role-playing elements with the world that they've built for you there and a few of the random little encouragements that they've given you to not be too blatant about cooperation in a uh, like non-game world fashion yeah, I actually like that you talked about the kind of like the overproduced and stuff like that. The production of this game, when I, like I took it out of the box, I actually think this is an amazing looking game. And if you're like going from oh, I would like agree. old yeah. games to these new games, this is a cool looking game. And that actually kind of brought me into it a little bit more. Like there's some very plain looking, really old looking games. This game looks awesome. It, and no, I thought it was. I, I completely agree. I know that each of us have our different things that we look for in a game. And one thing that always impresses me in a game is when a game is just absolutely beautiful. And this game is. Like, the artwork is awesome. I remember reading a criticism because the, there's all these catapults. And if you get 12 catapults attacking your castle, then you lose. 
one of the criticism I read said, well, you could just have one catapult figurine that moves along a track. And when it gets up to the 12, multiple catapults. Yeah. I I (laughs) love that. It comes with 12 catapult figurines. So when you have 11 catapults attacking your castle, you can look out over the battlefield (laughs) and just feel like you're surrounded by catapults. And say, Oh God, there's catapults out there. We got to do something about that. Yeah. And that, that's something that really appeals to me in a game. It's definitely a days of wonder game, that's for sure. Yeah, like, along game with Maker likes to overproduce things. Yeah, along with what they're saying, the game is very striking when you look at it. It was also one of the reasons that I was excited to play it the first time we played it. Not only was it cooperative, but it was also a pretty big departure from, you know, the standard Milton Brothers or Parker Brothers or Milton and Bradley or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh kind of games where it's cartoons and it's just a couple little things stamped on a piece of cardboard. Now this was pretty intricate. There's all these different colors and everything has two sides and there's multiple uses for every piece of equipment that they send with it, so it's really quite striking. Yeah, this, is, this is one of the games that brought us into gaming along with Settlers and uh, Carcassonne and a couple others, Bang. This is one of the first ones that we got into. Yeah. So assuming your upfront cost isn't too much to bear, it is a amazing way to start out uh, more in-depth tabletop board game type experiences. And that being said, one of the coolest experiences you can have is if you've played it once or twice with a group of people who are all new to this particular game. I don't think I think it's important to distinguish. You don't necessarily have to be like veteran board gamers or newbies to the whole in-depth board gaming thing to take this up but you can also get um, beyond just kind of the stories that you're making up in your head while you're looking at the beautiful artwork you get a great ability to like go on paranoid witch hunts amongst your friends you know late at night especially if you're not thinking quite clearly or if uh somebody's you know somebody's traditionally the traitor right (laughs) (laughs) then acting in a traditionally uh treacherous way (laughs) Those are those are some of my favorite board gaming memories. Is getting into an argument, especially, and, and it goes both ways. Especially if you know that you're innocent and you're trying to convince somebody else not to wrongfully accuse you, because that comes with its own penalties. Yeah, and you just look more guilty if you're trying to say that you're innocent. No, I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I the, swear. The, yeah, there's no way to try to argue that you aren't <laughs> the traitor, <laughs> other than proving that somebody else is. Yeah, if you if you can if make a good case for someone else, then that's yes. Which is probably why we have like that's an interesting commentary on like politics there <laughs> that we don't need to get into. <laughs> the, con- the condition, the condition of the traitor is certainly the most nuanced aspect to the game. For instance, tonight we were playing and. The combination of powers and circumstances on the board that presented themselves, I was able to keep my identity as the traitor a secret for a long time, but I wasn't really able to affect any real change on the board because of this thing or that thing or another thing. And then we were also playing with a re- additional restriction for a house rule that I was really afraid of being revealed because then uh, I would have been eliminated from the game. We were trying to decide what the level of restriction on the traitor could be because sometimes he can be too powerful. Yeah, I think that's a good time to start bringing that up. We we found that the traitor, when played a certain way, can be a very powerful character. Yeah, uh, so yeah, clearly the most intriguing thing about this game is the traitor, um, but it didn't seem like Days of Wonder tested the powers and drawbacks of the traitor thoroughly enough because we have uh, one pretty clever friend that likes to play his own type of game when he's playing games with us, but... He got the traitor one day and he decided just t- from turn one on, he's going to place a catapult on every single turn. 
and basically reveal that he's a traitor from turn one. And it seems like that's not really something that the developers had thought of or tried out. Yeah. And yeah. it was just extremely powerful. And according to the the rules in the book, the traitor gets even more powerful when you're when you actually call him out. Yeah, he so, gets like other yeah, traitor powers. You get your normal turn and then you also get to take a card from someone's hand and discard it. So it just gets out of hand really fast and it's almost impossible to beat that type of strategy. So which I think brings up the interesting question if you happen to get to be the traitor in this game, which is really cool if you I mean you can play it a lot, and never actually have that opportunity, which is is kind of a bummer, but if you do get to be the traitor, it opens up the question of whether you want to do what you think will be most fun or what you think will practically guarantee you of winning and defeating your other co-players here. And I would say it would be also unique to everybody's personality how much you know enjoyment they would get out of being the trader. Like we were saying, one of the nice things about the game is that when you win, you win as a team. If you're the trader, you're sitting there watching everybody else kick your ass and they don't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, Matt, I'm actually curious what you think about it. Do you think it is a just broken, straight-up winning strategy to go that route? or from yeah. the st- So you can have somebody who just decides, I want to win and I'm going to do this regardless. And if we don't have that house rule, that makes the trader like less of a factor after being called out. Yeah, it, it is completely broken. You have to do something about it. We tried a house rule tonight where if you're called out as the trader, you just completely don't get any more turns. So the trader is playing in secret again, and it seemed to maybe nerf them too much. I'm not really sure, but there's got to be something done about it. Otherwise, it's basically unplayable. If the trader wants to win, they can win. Yeah. And it'll pretty much ruin the game for everybody else. When we first started playing this game, the trader was so much more powerful because we weren't quite as good at like uh, communicating with each other and like coordinating what we were going to do. It seemed like tonight, since we have play, played the other more advanced co-op games, the, the good team won by a significant amount. Yeah. Even after he was just able to do, do the actual trader things because mm-hmm. he called himself out. So is this the first time we've tried out the house rule? It's I, not I, the first time that we tried out this house rule. I'm curious to know whether or not in the other games where that house rule was in place, if the the loyal players were able to win by the same margin. Because it seems like there's a pretty... I I do want to point out this game has a pretty huge element of luck just in which uh, negative cards come and in what order. Oh yeah, all co-op games have a lot of luck, but um, we haven't tried the variant where the trader tried the same catapult strategy from the beginning, and just like sacrifice their second half of the game basically we haven't tried that but Mm -hmm. the other time that we tried it it was the same type of thing except it wasn't such a huge margin of victory yeah i would be really curious to play a game that is cooperative and has less of a luck factor involved i mean you can even if all four loyal players are known to each other and working towards the same goal, you could easily just be stymied for entire rounds by the order in which uh, you were drawing the the negative action cards. Yeah, for sure. There's another interesting element. Um, there's actually when you pick to see if you're a trader or not, there's actually eight cards or something like that, more cards than there are players. Yeah. So there's also a chance that there's not a trader, mm-hmm. but you're still on that witch hunt where you're like. That guy's that guy's trying to screw us over. Yeah, but and that, that's I think the the most interesting element of the game is the the arguments over like who's the traitor. This person's the traitor. Like, because anytime someone does something that you don't think is quite right, is that instantly paints them like the traitor. 
So, you know, like someone at the table might just have a different strategy than what you're thinking or whatever they've done. And if it doesn't seem right to you, like in my experience, that's who I always look at. And I'm like, oh, that person's a traitor. They're not following the plan. Yeah. Like tonight, uh, both me and Kevin at one point messed up. Everybody, I guess, thought that we were the traitors. We weren't, obviously. Oh, uh, yeah. Paige was. But I usually think Paige is the traitor <laughs> right away. Like that's usually my default. And tonight he was, and he was my third pick. Like, there was no way I was going to accuse him unless I had already accused both of you <laughs> and no one had tried to call me out yet. <laughs> what we were doing seemed right to us. So that's why if you're playing with a group with varying degrees of abilities or uh, how often they play it, um, proficiency in the game, that's an issue because everybody's going to think everybody's a traitor, which actually could add a little bit to the game, but... I stand by my actions during this game. Yeah, they're I the, thought we were yeah, doing it right. They're the best that I could do with the cards that I had. <laughs> and see, that's the problem. Even if you're doing exactly the right thing, it, it might not be coinciding with the group strategy, or it might even just be, like they were saying, against the draw of the cards, so you can seem like the trader even though you aren't. There's been many games that we've had no trader, and we spend most of our time arguing about yeah. who may or may not be the trader. And honestly, I think that was one of the... I can remember one particular game that I thought was very, very good uh, of Shadows Over Camelot, where we spent a ton of time arguing over who's the traitor. I think we made a couple of accusations. Turns out no one was the traitor. We had a six-player game and there wasn't a traitor, which is relatively unlikely. You're probably going to have one in there. In there, but it was like it would just yeah. like tore us apart from the inside. Yeah, we didn't is, even have a traitor. That was that's pretty fun that it can create like a legitimate witch hunt style thing where Did there we really even is lose no that witch game? hunt. Like, we might have even lost against know. the game itself oh, we because we spent won. more time arguing, did we? Okay. It but, is, but if there were a traitor, he would have won without <laughs> yeah, having to do anything. Yeah. It is we, good that they both have rewards for correctly identifying the traitor, penalties for incorrectly doing it, and a penalty for failing to do it. Yeah. Those all keep you from doing these things willy-nilly as we would all be doing, as opposed to actually having to commit game points to your accusations. Yeah, mm-hmm. first term, just accuse, accuse the person to your right. Or something yep. like that. <laughs> yeah, we figured out one time what would happen if you just all started accusing the person to your left. And I don't think you lose. I think you lose, like think you lose in like two turns. <laughs> the, table, the table fills up with black swords real, real fast if you just sit there accusing each other. So I guess if I could think of one other criticism for the game, it might be that uh, you can frequently wind up in situations where it feels like you haven't contributed anything really good or bad in a while. Um, Like several rounds of turns can pass by where it doesn't feel like you've influenced things very much in one way or the other. You do have decisions to make each time about which of the, you know, possible negative actions you'll pursue. And you can, although you can frequently wind up in a position where you know what you're going to try to be doing for the next four to five turns. Uh, which can make things drag a bit at times. So I suppose it's nice that at that point that you have the added ability to kind of track what everybody else is doing and try to figure out if somebody is being a traitor. Yeah, and I don't know if anybody else experienced this. When we first started playing the game, the fact that you can only do like one thing per turn, I found that very restricting. Yeah. And you really have to line your actions up ahead of time and you really have to be thinking because even each action that you take is basically a two-action swing because there's a lot of cards that will either 
put a thing back where it was or destroy the previous bad card that was associated with it. So it often takes two turns just to make one step on any one of the quests. Yeah, it, I mean, I feel like when you're doing well at the game, you've planned out probably the next three turns that everyone's taking. That's probably the amount of planning that the game re- requires for the good guys to win. Okay, well, why don't we wrap this up with everybody's final thoughts? And uh, Joe, I'm looking to you. So for this game, I feel this is a great starting one for co-op games. It's a really good way to start out. It's really not the best once you're like very adept at games. Uh, it's not the greatest co-op game that's out there if you've played a lot of different games. I think it's okay. Like I said, I'm more of a party game kind of person anyways. This is the closest kind of party game that I can come to with a co-op game. I absolutely love this game. This is like one of my favorite games. The game's absolutely beautiful. There's a huge board with tons of cool-looking pieces. Like Some of my favorite memories are from playing this game because there's the strategy aspect where you're working out like, okay, how are we going to actually coordinate this? And then there's the accusing and like that psychological aspect of like, he thinks I'm the traitor? I bet he's the traitor. Like That's just so fun to have that kind of dynamic in a game. So uh, I highly recommend this game. I think it's great for beginners, uh, but I think veterans will love it. I think this is a great game. Yeah, I'll second what uh, both of you said. That some of my favorite memories, too, are from this game. Not to mention the memories of like a relatively bitter you know, hour-and-a-half-long argument post-game about whether, <laughs> whether uh, accusations were... <laughs> were earned or not um, and that's pretty rare to, to have a board game leave you in that sort of a competitive state for a long time after you finish playing that being said though i think i am a little bit concerned that some of the magic of first discovering it and first having those experiences might not be able to be replicated after you've grown accustomed to the strategy of this game all of that being said i still like it a lot and it's a great one to come back to after you haven't played it in several months or if you have a couple of people who are newer to it or even better yet experienced with it but not experienced playing it with you so i definitely highly recommend it too like everybody said before it's a fantastic game to get into if you haven't really played co-op games before or you're getting into it with a completely new group that hasn't played the game at all it's a really good experience but I feel like the game is just overshadowed by uh, a lot of the newer (laughs) co-op games, particularly a lot of the ones that I like nowadays, like Space Alert and Ghost Stories. I think those just offer a lot more fun permitted, I guess you could say, than this game. And the mechanics feel a little bit dated, and the gameplay is actually just a little bit too easy, especially if you don't have a trader. So all that, plus the fact that the trader itself is completely broken to begin with, given the rule set. But if you're looking for a co-op game with a trader element, this is a decent one to go with. But I've also heard Battlestar Galactica is a really good trader-style co-op game too. So if you're looking for something like this, you could probably do better. I would agree with a lot of what's been said. It was exciting to play the first time. There are a lot of things that make it exciting to play every time but at the same time there are things that are very repetitive about it and oftentimes you'll find yourself in situations that you can really have no effect over whether it's the draw the cards or the scenario you're in sometimes you can't win sometimes you always win and all of it can be a little bit repetitive if you 
play it too many times, play it too often, are, like Matt said, more advanced than your tabletop gaming. It can be a little bit simple. I would recommend it certainly to anybody who is thinking of getting out of the traditional board game realm and into something a little bit more competitive or, or cooperative. And uh, I would add that uh, it's a kind of a hard game to play with fewer people. The more people you have, the better. And so unless you have a, a larger gaming group, this may or may not be where you'd want to start. I would probably give it like a three and a half out of five. Thank you for listening. This has been a Terrible Game Review.